But honestly, if you haven't put in 20 years of hard moshing, you can't retire yet. You just quit. You dropped out of moshing. <laughs> you didn't even sign up. <laughs> right. He has dreamed about this his whole life. Oh, fuck. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is yet another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Today, we are bringing on the man powered only by stage dives, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be welcoming on Mr. Vogel, Scott from Terror, onto the show. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm really excited about this one. Thanks for having me, too. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I'm excited, too, as well. Absolutely. Um, so I've been sharing a little bit of the context of, you know, having a particular guest on the show before we get into the actual interview. Um, your inquiry, I think for me came at a very interesting time. Um, I know like you're traveling a lot and, you know, there's times where terror is flying somewhere versus being in a van. There was one time on a, on a work related trip where I needed to buy Wi-Fi on, on the airplane and like. I do not recommend it's like abysmal as far as like even just sending an email, but your inquiry to uh, to come on the podcast came when I was like, you know, 40,000 feet or whatever a plane is. Uh, you know, it, I was high in the sky when I got your email about, you know, the new record and wanting to find ways to help promote it. So I'm really... Uh, so that has just stuck with me as far as like when that happened, um, as well as, you know, uh, Tara just put out, you know, brand new record that uh, has been the talk of the town. And uh, I definitely want to be talking about Terror's kind of like Western Canada weekend that happened back in 2018. Um, that was something that is very pivotal as far as the scoped universe is concerned. But, you know, I'm giving a little a uh, little too much away. Uh, all in all, I'm just really excited to have you on, Scott. And, you know, this has been, you've been a guest that I've thought about having on the show for ever since we've started here. So glad to be here. So, where are you located? Calgary? So, I live in Calgary, Alberta, um, oh. Western Canada. And um, yeah, so I've been living here. I think when you guys came through and did Vancouver, Edmonton, um, Calgary, that was, I, I had only been living there for maybe a year at that point. So it was still super, super fresh for me. Forgive my, um, mental block, but who did we do those shows with that you speak of? Was it counterparts? The, uh, no, it was uh JFK JFK set up that show. No, but who else played? Was it just us? You guys were the headliners and, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but it was essentially, it was like a, I think it was just like a fly-in scenario. And then all the support was all Western Canada bands from okay. BC and Regina and different parts of Alberta as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I was rewatching the Calgary set before we were jumping on the call here and uh, there was, uh, you were shouting out one of the bands that had the vocalist had broke his neck to terror and that was my friend Eli. And, Ouch. uh, yeah. So there was just like a lot of, uh, very wholesome Western Canada things happening <laughs> on that set. So yeah, there was, it was just you guys and a bunch of 
of friends, honestly. So, how is Mr. JFK? Is he all right? Life's good. He's good. I saw him when uh, Comeback Kid was doing some shows uh, with Miss Sigs and uh, Cancer Bats. Um, my band opened up the Calgary, one of the Calgary dates, and you know we got to. I haven't seen him probably since that show, just with all the the COVID time added to to that. But yeah, he's doing well, and uh, I've honestly. JFK, if you're listening, because I've been bugging him to come on for an interview as well. But he's like very particular. He wants to do it with someone. I'm like, no, I want to interview just JFK. Really? Mm-hmm. Only fishing talk? <laughs> I guess so. I, you know, I might need to do a little bit of JFK fishing research for for his episode. Um, uh, but you know, Scott, before we get into the weeds of the episode, it's tradition here to do a Bev check. So okay. um, how about you go first? Tell me what you're going to be sipping on for the episode. Okay. I wasn't aware of the Bev check thing, but I'm going to show you two things, two Bevs. Because originally when we got on this call, I had my phone stuffed in a coffee mug, but you told me it was the wrong way. So I had to take it out. I had to go horizontal so this was the cup that i had it stuffed in Mm. so i figured you're canadian you absolutely must love hockey (laughs) Uh, absolutely my my beverage is kind of a a fantasy beverage because i'm not as healthy as this looks it's water with a a slab of lemon in it (laughs) (laughs) not a slice a slab Uh, a quarter a quarter of a lemon I, when you were saying I had my phone originally in the coffee cup, I thought you were going to be like drinking v- <laughs> with the phone. It, I was like, "Well, that is that is commitment," but um, I respect it. But uh, that's that's a good bev of choice. And um, shout out to the Sabers. I've um, you know, I originally grew up in Winnipeg, which is the dead center of Canada. Um, I can't remember when, if, and when the last time Terror would have played there, but. My dad, who now lives in Toronto area, we had driven down to Buffalo to see the Jets play the Sabres. Nice. And uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, Jet transplant kind of fans that now live in Buffalo or or drive across the border to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Do you drive up often to to Canada living in Buffalo now? Or is it just kind of like it's there? Well... Up until month, a few months ago, the border was closed. Right. The only time I've gone to Canada so far is to go to Hamilton to go to Ikea. Oh, okay. <laughs> But, but um, there, there, was, there was a hate breed show that was – it was with like Megadeth and stuff like that. That got canceled. So I had planned to go to that. I think Hot Water Music played up there recently, but I've been, you know, we've been touring a lot recently. So a lot of my uh, would be reasons are blocked by my being out of town. And uh, so, no, I haven't. But uh, getting over the border was really easy to make that amazing IKEA trip. Uh, so I foresee it happening more. Uh, Does Buffalo qu- not have an IKEA? No, it doesn't. The closest oh. one, the closest one in the U.S. is Pittsburgh, which is four, three. My cat is crazy. Three and a half hours, <laughs> and up there is like forty-five minutes. Well, I uh, I would just assume that IKEA is 
just all throughout the states. But I guess uh, that's the thing that I'm learning super early in this podcast is that it's. I'll not tell you something. Since you're from Winnipeg, please come back. Kid plays here tomorrow, so I will be seeing them. Oh well, you have to tell Andrew we did this podcast, and hopefully, you can tell him that it was as good of experience uh, that uh, that he had because Andrew's been. I've had. All but two of the members of Comeback Kid on the podcast. Chase is coming on in a few weeks, and then I'll had completed the entire Ross, the entire lineup. Current uh, lineup. Current lineup. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we could just go back. It would be cool, honestly, to interview someone like Scott Wade. Yeah, like for the sure. Original vocalist. Um, but you know that that's for later on. Um, as far as Bev's for me go, um, it's Saturday. It's hella hot You're here loose. In, uh, in Calgary, so I'm just I'm just oh, doing a shit. white claw. Uh, nothing fancy. Just I got like the the variety pack, and that's what it's I'm lime? rocking. Natural lime. So oh. I don't know if there's a difference between just lime and natural lime. You got the lime. I got the lemon. Yeah, there we go. I love that. I'll major, cheers you to that. Major citrus. <laughs> awesome, uh, Scott. Really stoked to do this podcast, bro. <laughs> you got the lime i got the lemon <laughs> i don't I, I, what is better a lime or a lemon for me a lemon by a mile i don't know why mm-hmm. i'm not huge on lime i really dislike lime on a tortilla chip but uh i totally agree lime flavored tortilla sh- chips are they should be ridden from this world if i had a corona beer i'll p- to put the lemon in it but if there is no lemon, I will go with the lime. But mm. that's that's interesting because I thought for Corona, it's the lime is right. the standard. But yes, I'm wild. I go off the beaten path. <laughs> lemon supremacy, I guess. <laughs> um, well, you know, Scott, you've done a plethora of interviews. Uh, you know, in uh, a lot of the years of terror, um, I always ask every new guest on our show kind of their like hardcore origin story. So as short, medium, or long that you want to make that kind of spiel. Um, Yeah, just tell me kind of like the the entry point into this whole thing for you. Well, funny enough, where I live right now is about uh, a mile from the venue when I first got into hardcore that I saw so many amazing bands. And now me and my girlfriend drive past it a lot. And she's already at the point of saying, I know, shut up. I'll be like, I saw Bold there. I saw Rest in Pieces there. I saw Judge there. I saw Gorilla Biscuits there. I saw blah, blah there. And she's just like, I know, please shut up. So um, my brother, uh, his name's Jay. He's in a great current band playing guitar. Are the other guitarist in his band is Jesse, the drummer of Buried Alive. Uh, they're oh. called Pure Heel. He, um, he's actually my stepbrother, um, but that doesn't really matter. He's my brother, but for sake of the story, uh, <laughs> dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're talking to your cat? <laughs> yeah, he's going crazy. So um, when I was first... Growing up in my life, I lived with my mom and my two sisters. But at a later point, I, uh, yo, 
Get out of here. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone that's watching. I had a, I had All the audio listeners down. must be like so confused. But he was know. like going crazy. And I'm I've got the the phone on a little uh TV tray with yeah, the mega it's a water. delicate setup. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so um at a later point in my life, I moved in with my father. He had remarried. And so I moved in with my brother, Jay. Uh, I had up to this point lived really far out. And Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo is the second biggest city in New York State, but it's not a big city. Ooh. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not a good guest. Um, no, you're doing great. <laughs> so, uh he, so I'm, he, and he lived closer. So I, I lived like, let's call it out past the suburbs in the woods. So when I moved in with them, he, he was more in the city and I guess had more of a ear to the street. So he was uh, into things like the sex skateboarding, the sex pistols, circle jerks. Um, I, at that time, he also was, but. I was into like Motley Crue, Rat, Glam, Glam shit. Um, he he was also into like Run DMC, Houdini, like early hip hop. So I was thrown into this new world, and I was—he's uh, actually a few months younger than me. But um, so he he's like three months younger than me. But this was all new to me. I was in a new environment trying to figure out who I was in this world. We're talking like uh, 1986, 19, you know, somewhere around there. Um, so I would go with him to some shows, uh, more punk shows and more like local shows. Like we would see, this sounds crazy, but like the Goo Goo Dolls were a local band and they would play like tiny. We probably saw the Goo Goo Dolls a couple times with a hundred people there. Um, all sorts of things, like anything that was kind of like, edgy and underground. So like kind of garage rock and like things like that. Um, early shows I can remember are like the dead milkmen, butthole surfers, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I was attracted to the energy, but definitely not like the, the Mohawk type punk <laughs> anarchy thing that's like really not right. my thing it was what you felt versus what you saw at times. i think i like the 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 thing that it was a little intimidating and dangerous and people were a little not so normal and the energy of the mosh pit and stuff yeah animal beef everywhere <laughs> um, my one dog but, is like they'll just barrel through. And that one is like, I can't move. I can't get through this small crack. So sorry, continue. Yeah. So, um, eventually a huge thing for me was, uh, my father videotaped for us, like on a VCR, uh, night flight was playing the, has a lot of Canada in it. Uh, the, the social distortion, another state of mind, which is, if you don't know, social distortions from California. They, 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 uh, turn the school bus into a tour bus with a youth brigade and they tour across the country. A lot of it's in they there's a, there's a very famous part. Welcome to the Calgary Manor. Have some chili. So they definitely play in Calgary. Oh, okay. uh, they, they're at, they're at a punk house. 
I think they play Vancouver. So, um, yeah, they definitely go through Canada. But for me, so and I really do. I still do really like uh, uh, Mommy's Little Monster. I think the first Social Distortion album. That was the, the one band, the punk band that maybe I listened to the most at that time. But mm. during that movie, their bus breaks down in D.C. And they stay at the Discord house and minor threats in it uh, being interviewed as well as they show Ian. Uh, he worked at Haagen-Dazs or something, make, scooping ice cream at work and live show. And so this was maybe my first exposure to shaved heads, a little more clean cut looking. Um, I've never been straight edge, but their attitude was a little more, let's help the world as opposed to let's destroy the world. Right. And um, that really clicked with me. Let's, let's just for the sake of the story, which probably isn't true, the next day I ran out and bought that Minor Threat record. It's the blue one with, I think, Ian's brother on the cover like this or whatever. Um, from there, so this is when we're transitioning from punk to finding out what hardcore is. So let's say it's 1987 now, uh, a really early show I saw was DRI with gangrene, uh, the goo dolls. And, um, I, I would credit that as my first hardcore show. Uh, from there, a friend of mine that lived in the same area as us, but he went to a Catholic school, so he didn't go to school with us. He gave me a cassette that was Warzone, Don't Forget the Struggle. And uh, on one side, this is a dubbed cassette. The other side was AF, Victim and Pain. I remember after that, I went to the record store here, Home of the Hits, and then one day I bought the what was, sick of it all seven inch the no for an answer seven inch the chain of strength seven inch and the side by side seven inch and let's just say from there it was game over all we did was look for hardcore shows go to hardcore shows uh and eventually started with my brother started slugfest and uh yeah that's a big, huge, humongous part of my life up until today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've really laid a lot of the um, the initial groundwork. And I think the the cool thing to hear, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of people can attest a similar experience to them, is like finding just the energy of the contagiousness of that and then the ultimate why behind like the lyrics and like the the attitude like it's kind of like a instead of giving a middle finger to the world it's like well like well how can we work towards a better future so i i've said multiple times here on the podcast it's like that the sound might get people in the door but like the the message and the why can really cement it and kind of galvanize people to stay um so yeah like a lot of really cool things. And like you said, like once certain records were in your hands and going in your ears, it was, it was game over at that point. So let's fast forward a little bit now and just talk about like, you know, I'm sure again, you've probably talked about it on like multiple podcasts. So feel free to do the condensed version, but tell me like how the idea of terror like originally came to be and how, if that has changed, you know, over the years, cause you know, terror, in my opinion, is known as this like 
undeniable force and you know COVID or not has always just tried to keep rolling as frequently and as you know actively as you guys are was that since day one the mindset or did that just evolve over time so the way terror began was um all the bands i did in buffalo slugfest despair buried alive all of them uh i think were pretty good hardcore bands and as soon as we you know started to get some sorry word momentum uh, some the, the bands ended. None, none of those bands, from my perspective, reached their uh, full potential and broke up way too soon. Uh, Buried Alive maybe is the one. Uh, maybe that's not true. Anyways, when we were kind of still band, uh, still in the thick of it, we we all broke up for various reasons. The the last being Buried Alive, I quit and uh moved to the west coast Mm -hmm. uh at that point in my head i was like i've done these bands every time i get something going it implodes i'm kind of done with with doing this so um myself and my girlfriend at the time moved to the west coast uh when i got out there my friend larry do you want the quick version or you want this long version which whichever one you want to hit i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add this little part because it's another dub cassette my friend larry who's from buffalo he played in a band here called envy he was working at revelation at the time so when when i got out to california uh this was a time in hardcore when the bigger things were like 18 visions throw down maybe every time i die so not exactly my uh perfect wheelhouse of hardcore um, yeah. he gave me a tape. It was no warnings, seven inch, which I had, I knew them and I had seen them before I moved. Um, and, and on the other side was carry on a lifeless plague, which if anyone is listening to this or whatever, and doesn't know that, please check that record out. It's super amazing. And he gave me this tape and he said, I think you're going to really like it. He was right. And like, let's say a month later, I got a phone call from uh, John LaCroix, which is funny because he's from 10 yard fight and he started terror, but he was never officially in terror. He was like, Hey, I'm starting this band with two X member. Carry on had just broken up because the singer had broke edge and I don't know, but that's what broke the band up. And he was like, I left a phone, a call on my answering machine. Cause that's what you had back then. I'm starting this band with two members of Carry On. We we heard you moved out here. We want you to sing. I was like, fuck, I don't want to do a band, but fuck, Carry On is great. I went and met them. John LaCroix never showed up to the first couple of practices, so he was out. But Nick and Todd, the original, the current drum, the Nick, the drummer who's still in Terror, Todd Jones, who's in Nails and was in Terror in the beginning. Uh, let's just say I went into Nick's garage. They fucking played some shit for me. I was like floored. I was like, this is perfect. I'm in. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, Your question was, did we always go 110%? Um, Yes, we did. From the start, I I think the three of us kind of like 
had a little talk. Like, I don't think we ever imagined it was going to be 20 years and, and nine, eight, nine LPs and right. 8 billion <laughs> tours and 7 million shows. But we did say to each other, all right, we've all done bands that have gotten somewhere and broken up. Let's give this band a chance. Let's say yes to everything. Let's try to tour. Let's try to make this happen. And we did. Ultimately, that, you know, Todd was on board with that. But I think he realized quicker, quickly, that, you know, living in a van and touring that much wasn't for him, which, you know, I love him and total respect. It's definitely a grind. Uh, he bowed out and here we are. Yeah. I think the really interesting thing for me is in your transition of moving, it wasn't in your mind of like, oh, I'm going to do another thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe like the, the love of the music was still there, obviously, but it wasn't like this, oh, I need to, the minute I get to California, I need to start a band. Um, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. And then it was, it, all it took was like one, the serendipity of that is just, it is mind blowing, honestly. It's, it's funny too, because when I got out to the West Coast, 100 Demons called me. And this must have been when uh, Bruce left the band and they asked me if I was interested. And I, I said no, because I was, I mean, I love them and that would have been crazy. But uh, I had already just moved to the West Coast. I was like, I, I can't. If they would have caught me before I left, maybe they could have pulled me in. Uh, but sure. <laughs> the story didn't go that way. Yeah. So, yeah, like, obviously, I feel like any band or band person that I bring on that is in a sizable act, like, has never imagined that their pursuit would have gone to that point. But there was, it sounds like there was initial drive of, like, okay, we've all been in bands that have, like, hit the ceiling but not broken through the ceiling. So let's just give it, you know, let's just give it our honest efforts and see if it goes it goes through that this time. Yeah. I don't think we were considering the size of our band or the size of our old band. It was just the do it, uh, do it as a full-time thing, you know? Right. Um, which at that point in 2002, it really wasn't a defined thing. What was a full-time hardcore, like, you know, we're, we're a straight up hardcore band. What does right. that really mean? You know? So, um, I think it was just like, let's go for it and see what happens. Not we're going to get big, but let's just not get jobs that are going to take away from this. Let's do as much as we can with the band. Right. And, you know, I think once, when, when do you think the the rhythm was, fe was found when it came to, um, the aggressive touring schedule that terror has? Because, I'm sure now it's like you're looking, okay, we've put out this record. We need to do X, Y, Z as far as festivals and international stuff. When do you feel like you, it wasn't just like, let's say yes to everything and everything felt like the, like you're building the car as it's going, if that makes sense. Like, when did you feel like you kind of was like, oh, like I know how terror operates 365 days of the year. Um, in what year do you feel like you really like hit that stride? Hmm. This isn't going to be the answer you asked for. I okay. feel like from 
2002 when we started to 2009, it was just nonstop, no questions. We can't say no to anything. We got asked this. We have to do it. How could we turn this down? It's such a good opportunity. We have to go, 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 go. We've never been to Japan. Go. Oh, we got asked to go back. We have to go. We have to go. In 2009, which is right before Keepers of the Faith, so uh, we got Jordan from No Warning in the back. Actually, we got David Wood from Down to Nothing first and Jordan very soon after. I think we took a step back and said, we're touring too much. Like, not even like in a, a, a for the, uh, you know, burning out the band, but our, our own burning out ourselves. We also said up to that point, we had been doing a lot of kind of outside the box tours. Like we toured with Emure, we toured with Chimera, uh, some bands like that. We kind of reeled it back and said, let's tour less. And let's also be more mindful of what makes us happy. And that was playing more with bands. We uh, not, not a shot at either of those bands at all. But um, bands we click with, you know, and we'll still, we still will tour outside the box. But let's only do that a little bit. And let's keep ourselves happy touring with bands that we really love and connect with. And also doing tours like that, you end up playing with a lot of barricades and, and venues that maybe aren't really built for or understand terror. So we kind of made a conscious shift and I don't want to say like we laid down the hammer. We're never going to play with a barricade because we, we definitely still do. But right. that was the time we kind of said, we're go uh, it's starting to make us crazy. Let's be a little smile a little more. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And that was definitely uh, a, a subject that I wanted to hit on. Cause um, to, I I went through and listened to all three parts of the uh, Pain into Power podcast trio with, um, I know you did, I think part two was on Joe Hardcore's podcast and then it's 185. Uh, it was just like a huge journey of conversation um, to talk was about. Was it record. cool? Because I haven't listened back to it. It was cool. And honestly, like it put me onto two punk hardcore related podcasts that weren't even my, on my radar so i'm going to be having Ooh. to dive into a little of those um but Do, I think, is one of those is one of those uh richie's uh post america hard post america yeah, podcast? i think he has part one you should listen if you're a death not even anyone should listen to his interview with aaron from death threat it's one of the best podcasts i've ever heard in my life it's it's cool had me smiling and crying at the same time. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I I feel like there are good markers when I know I'm doing a good interview for the podcast. Um, anytime a guest says that's a good question, I know that's like my you know my check mark for the episode. Anytime I get okay. DMs from people after an episode drops of like this episode made me cry or I was like in tears listening mm -hmm. to, you, I'm like this is a great episode. So <laughs> I'll have to check out that Death Row one and see if I have a. A similar experience um but um to to go back to that uh, the reason i bring this up is you had mentioned that like tear not, not necessarily got lost in the sauce but it was like we are doing tour we are too doing too many of the out outside of the box um touring and 
you were saying that like it's not something you necessarily regret but i think it's about like closing the valve of that so there's still like a drip but it's not like a you know it's just pouring out so like what do you think is like aside from from that maybe having a bit of like a self-aware check of like you know i i think this is important but you know we want to do the stuff that brings a smile to our place like what were some of like the conversations you were having with people who, you know, you're doing like a super metal tour with like a mirror or something, but like, do you feel like that was an instrumental piece for tour, uh, for Tara's legacy, as far as bringing people from that world into the hardcore scene? Well, one of the great things about doing tours like that, that happened consistently and it's, it still does happen. And we, we just toured with Kubla Khan there, kind of in that immure world and you know they had a great draw so they had a lot of people at, at our show at our shows that were maybe not even familiar with terror and i would assume this happened again uh lots of times let's say we did a tour with a mirror a year later we'll come back to someone someone will walk up to me with a shaved head and a judge shirt and he would say to me Man, you might not believe this, but I came to see you last year with Amir and I had never seen or heard anything like you guys. I went and got your record, the lyrics, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he didn't say this, but look at me now. Now I'm like a fucking transformed hardcore kid. And I can relate to that because I was going to punk shows and it didn't fully connect with me. And as soon as I saw what I call more straight up hardcore, it really sucked me in and changed my life. So that was one of the great parts about it. The other things that I touched on earlier were not so great, but playing to a new audience, maybe you think you want to say, explain your songs a little bit more and, and give these people kind of an inside scoop to what you're about. Um, because I think hardcore is always more than music, definitely more than mosh pits and stage dive. Stage dives, it's about the lyrics and the message and the community and the uh, taking care of each other and, and stuff like that. So if if we were to play to a Camera crowd and just got up there and just said, yo, fuck it up over and over and just played our songs into mosh parts, it might not be the same connection as if, you know, I take the time to explain a few things about the band. And that was a beautiful thing. And still, you know, I'm always about that. Yeah, a very early season two podcast I did was with Brian from from Knocked Loose. And, you know, Knocked Loose is one of those bands that has played, you know, the super hardcore um route or tours and then kind of the more mixed bill like they'll go on tour with gorgira um but brian said that like a big thing that he's learned is just like how like how he like navigates a like a hardcore only show versus like you know you know a show that like okay everyone put their hands up like if you're doing that at like a this is hardcore, people are like, what do you what do you mean? You put my hands up, you know, but like, you know, there are certain shows. So he was essentially talking about like how to talk to different crowds and different audiences. And that was like a very valuable tool to him. Um, 
I'm going to use this as a bit of a segue as well. Uh, another band that I know that has done a lot of mixed bill um, kind of touring and whatnot is Stickter Guns. And uh, we just had Jesse on the show. And you came up uh, in our episode in the sense of like, because um, something that I noticed as like seeing so many live videos of, of terror is that there were like periods of time where you would rock like the Buffalo like jersey for like, it felt like a you know a year plus, and then there was a time where it was like um, stick to your guns. Just the stick to your gun shirt was on you at all times for multiple tours, and so I was talking to him about that because stick to your guns is a very foundational hardcore band for me growing up. But they were kind of given a hand of like, oh well, stick to your guns has singing, and they're they're not hardcore and things like that. And Jesse was saying, I think Scott wore that shirt so many times out of spite to all the people that were talking shit about us. I don't, I, so I kind of wanted to see if that was true, if there was a deeper meaning to that or, or anything you wanted to add there. Um, I wear the same thing a lot because when you go on tour and you sweat every night, if you sweat into your actual clothes you wear, you, you get stinky. Yeah. You have so, to sacrifice something. For show clothes. The run. Yeah. And if they, if they can take a beating and they fit you good, then I go with it for a while. But to the stick to your guns thing, uh, I hope Jesse's right. I hope I did do it out of spite. That never, that never like crossed my mind. I wore stick to your gun stuff and will continue to because and not only are they amazing people, but they're a fucking great band. And, um, you know, I, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, Verbal Assault, some of the greatest hardcore bands in the world sing. Dag Nasty, I, I love singing. No one needs a idiot like me screaming at them over and over and over. <laughs> Get someone with some actual vocal times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, hardcore kids are very, very, uh, judgmental and, uh, I'm sure, you know, every band gets it for better or for worse. And if people, uh, you know, people can say what they want, but I love stick to your guns. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to use that into a bit of a, a segment portion of the interview before we keep going. Um, so this is corny core. So I want to hit you with some <laughs> hardcore related terms or isms or just things that would happen at a, at a regular show. And you tell me the level of corniness and how we can theoretically fix that if it is I love too this. corny. Do, right, do you, you do ready? this all the time? No, this is this is tailored just for you. Okay, one is not corny, ten is mad corny. Okay. Is that cool? Okay. I, I appreciate you setting the scales because I was like, how are we gonna measure this? But zero <laughs> okay. is is not corny and it's not even something on anyone's radar. Ten is there's a corny wazoo problem and we need to address it you know i um, do i do like this a lot but there's going to be some things that i say tend to and then person listens is going to be like but i do that so i'm gonna look <laughs> like a dick but i i will there's only five here but you know feel free at the end if there's any uh thing that i missed here as far as things you want to address as 10 out of 10 corny don't get me started um, <laughs> uh the term mosh retirement or people saying oh i'm i i might have to come out of mosh retirement is that really corny 
if you have if you have fucking moshed for 20 plus years you can go into retirement if not shut the fuck up (laughs) hard agree (laughs) um but but i'd give that a strong three it's not that corny it's just not true yeah, it's it's incorrect, but it's it's not super corny. I feel like that's a fair ra- rating. Twenty. I just always I hear from people that I'm like I don't think I've ever seen you mosh. All like, right, I like that. You're a bad person. You're bad. <laughs> you're gonna get me going, and then I'm gonna look like a dick. But honestly, if you haven't put in twenty years of hard moshing, you can't retire yet. You just quit. You dropped out of moshing. <laughs> You didn't even sign up. <laughs> right. Who, uh, before we move on to the next one, who in your world that you know deserves me. A, a severance package of Mosh Retirement? Me. You? You? Scott okay. Vogel. Yes. <laughs> Scott Absolutely. <Vogel>. Absolutely. <laughs> I also uh, deserve workman's compensation because my body is destroyed. <laughs> It's just Scott Vogel sitting in the Mosh retirement ho- housing, and there's no one there. And he's like, "I I deserve to be here by myself." <laughs> sometimes, okay. uh, currently, sometimes uh, Tara will be at a show, and I'll want to go in the pit, and I'll see Martine. Like, no, he's like, "You're gonna you're gonna get hurt. We need we need you on stage. We don't need you at the hospital." <laughs> I love I love Martine just being like, "No." No. Uh, okay. You know, we kind of hit on this a little bit with the stick to your guns mention. Um, deciding what bands who aren't, who are and aren't hardcore. I'm guilty of this. Well, uh, this is what got me into uh, internet drama with uh, the ghost inside. Um. Hmm. This has got to be a zero because I do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just joking. Honestly, uh, were you, which side of the coin were you on, on the ghost? You know, you, we don't have to air the beef or the, or the drama if you don't uh, want to. I, just... I said they weren't a hardcore band and then it mm-hmm. became this, uh, I, it was on stage. I said this, so at least I did it on stage. I wasn't like doing it. You know, if yeah. you're going to talk shit, you might as well do it on stage. I mean, this is major water under the bridge many years ago. Uh, And also, honestly, that's that. So I'm going to go with it's pretty high up because it's so embarrassing. I'm sitting up there as like at the time I was probably like 43 years old, judging these people and telling them they're not a hardcore band. Please (laughs) shut up, Mr. Vogel. We're going. That's about a seven. But I still do it. How can you not? Yeah, Yeah, it's. It's too easy to pass up, and I'm guilty of this myself. But I think ultimately, I, I really enjoyed uh, on the on the three part podcast where you guys were one of the last things you were hitting on was like what actually makes a hardcore band, and it was right. like, well, it's got to be you know I, I had um, Lumpy from Sanction on the on the podcast, and we were talking about like hardcore kids who make metal core bands are still hardcore bands, but like metalcore kids who make metalcore that's its own thing and then there's metalcore kids who make hardcore bands and he he was like that shit sucks (laughs) um i really like what richie said he broke it down to like your mental state and if anyone uh wants to know i in retrospect 
I have this post on my Instagram that someone, someone made this uh, image of something I must have said in a fanzine. And it's very, it's old because I talk about phone bills, but it's a great summary of what I think a hardcore kid is, I guess. Um, I think I have that quote here. It's like, um, yeah. Is it the one okay. with the person sage diving at the bottom? Is that yes, the, yes. That's a, yeah. that's a great thing. Can, uh, um, do you mind if I read that or is that going to derail our conversation? No, that's great. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm not going to because I have it saved for something uh, towards the end of the interview. Oh, okay. So we will come back to that. We'll come back um, to that. But yeah, what I, I, what I was saying in Joe Hardcore kind of shot down, but I think he, he took it as he said like Dave Grohl. But I was saying if any current hardcore kid, so you're an active part of the scene, you support the scene, you believe in the scene, you're there for the scene. If you go and make music, then to me it's hardcore because a hardcore kid is making it. Now, right. I also said, you know, if you're playing jazz or something, that's a little bit, that's a little bit outside the box, but maybe that isn't a foolproof definition. But if a hardcore kid makes noise music, then to me it's hardcore as yeah. opposed to uh, you know, like you were saying, I think you were saying metalcore kids playing hardcore isn't hardcore um <laughs> but that's a in this day and age it's such a fine line because right buried alive i mean this isn't this day and age but buried alive 20 years ago definitely made metalcore but we were all hardcore kids going to every hardcore show loving hardcore so is that to say yeah. all out war is not a hardcore band <laughs> Yeah, I do think that, you know, to me, I look at hardcore as it is its own genre, but I almost think it's more of like an, um, not an umbrella term because that it does, it sounds like I'm devaluing it, but like, I really think that a band like that plays um, super metallic or metalcore or even like death metal as stuff, when you look at all the members of the band, it's like all these kids like grew up on, you know, hate breeds, sector guns, whatever era that they kind of fall into. And so I think, I think it's really cool to be able to have hardcore fests that have representation of all those genres, but they all come from the same place, if that makes sense. Right. And I, I think back to also, um, I mean, despair would play fests with the get up kids and coalesce completely different right maybe despair somewhere in the middle but i think that's great uh you know goes back to my argument hardcore kids making music can sound beautiful like the get up kids or like crazy like turning my fucking garbage disposal on like something like coalesce <laughs> but <laughs> it's still hard um, i guess you ready for another corny yeah uh, so so term? we got we got seven no, no. We gave three to Mosh Retirement, seven for deciding what's hardcore or not. Okay. What would you give for the term Eurocore? You know, I, uh, I'll give that a six. And mm -hmm. just to be honest, Europe is an amazing place for hardcore. 
has amazing bands and amazing people. And I'm going there on Wednesday and I can't wait. So when people, you know, there is some things about Europe and European hardcore that you can laugh at, but look at the fucking America. <laughs> you, you can't find things to fucking laugh at over here. Right. So, um, I would think the way you're asking me, it's used as a derogatory term. Derogatory I in a in a light way. I think it's a way to explain how the music sounds, but I don't agree that that is like I, I, listening to uh, Desolated or Whisper, uh, not Whispers, uh, Worst Out, like any of those bands. Um, I don't think that I feel like they play in such a similar lane that a lot of American bands, you know, no one's coming up and saying, Oh, this sounds like Canada core or anything like that. Like it's, it's the same genre of music, but it might just have the, a slight accent. I don't know. I I've heard that from some Europeans that I've had on the podcast and they're like, this shit is like the most demeaning thing of like putting us in a box versus like expanding us to the overall North American I'll give it a six, but I will say true blue world collapse, kickback, dead stop, no turning back, risk it, born from pain. There's all the bands in the UK, knuckle dust. There's so much good hardcore coming from, and that has come from Europe. So I, 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 I don't know if I've ever said Eurocore in my life. I'd just say, you know, they're a great band from Germany or European hardcore, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't understand how someone has said that. Um, if it was me, I would probably put it more in an eight or nine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's where I do. All right, um, stage potatoes, people that just exist on stage when maybe they don't need to be on the stage for a set. How corny is that to you? That shit can suck at times. That that can be like a strong eight. Uh, it's not terrible, but get in the fucking pit. We need people in the pit. We don't need people on stage. Right? What the fuck are you doing? I mean, as a person that's certified, able to retire from the pit, when I, when I would go to a show when I was like from age. 16 to 30 there what i was loving my time in the pit i mean yeah there's there's really no reason to be up there for the most part i feel like there there's been too many times as someone that films shows um in addition to doing this podcast like that to me makes sense uh, if I'm like on stage to get a certain vantage point where I can see the pit and the bin and, and zoom in and out. But some shows have large stages where it's like, yeah, a couple people standing on stage is kind of whatever. But like when Tara played Dickens in Calgary, it's like there's not a lot of re- there's not a lot of space for people just to hang out. So was there people hanging out? There was people hanging out more like off the stages, so there was at least that. I think it's more in the um, in the the fest kind of scenarios where people will like, oh, this is 
a homie of a homie's band. So it's not even a direct connection, but, you know, for people who are like, you know, working the event to be, you know, someone's trying to get an XLR cable and someone's standing on it, it just becomes a, a whole thing. I mean, I still do that too. So I get it, <laughs> but my, my real answer would be like get in the pit and represent yeah. at least go up front. Can we like the horseshoe? That's a 10. What the fuck are you doing? What is that? The horseshoe is a 10, but that's a 50. It's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, maybe hardcore's own fault because maybe you don't want to stand there and have some dude punch you in the back of your head. That's no. not cool. That's a 10. It's going but out. I think the building the layer from the stage outwards, if people are like shoulder to shoulder, like the people that are getting deliberately punched or accidentally punched, if you want to call it that, are just on the outskirts of the pit. If we build a sea of people, like the horseshoe or the, the circle will just be pushed back. A, a great show is packed up, diving, singing, pitting. Everyone, not knowing they're trying to hurt someone. People might get hurt, but not deliberately hurt. Right. Um, well, it was funny because you saying horseshoe was my fifth option as well. Oh, um, 10, but, uh, 20. 50, 50 out of 10. I've got one. <laughs> show curated. You booked a hardcore show. What is curated? Did I lose you? Are you asking me? No, I know what it is, but why isn't it? It's the term. It blows my mind. You called some bands up and got them to your city. You booked a show. Oh, you're promoting. I'm not sure what you're actually asking me. <laughs> I'm saying when people put on a flyer or they they refer to themselves as curate as curating a show. Oh, like a promoter or a, something like that. Turning a, a show booking. into a fucking art event. It's a fucking hardcore show. You booked it. Right. You didn't curate it. Right. Right. You didn't. You don't agree with me. I've ne well no, okay I'm understanding now so you you're saying someone who says they've curated a show it happens I've quite. never personally seen that you will now now that okay. it's planted in your head you will see it wait wait do you mean that when it says blah 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 presents is that the same thing yes or the word let's say oh, okay. Scott presents these people curated by Scott. This is a, a thing that is said very often now. Hmm. Okay. So what do you what do you give that out of ten? I mean, it's not a big deal. It's a five, but it's just like what <laughs> curated? This isn't an art gallery. I'll I'll have to send you the first time I see curated on a hardcore flyer. Like okay, that that sounds. That sounds corny to me. <laughs> to me, it's to me. There's no rating set because I haven't seen it, but I might see it and just see it in, in the context and be like, "Oh, this is a ten out of 10 You'll um, see it. But this, I'll I'll use this a segue into one of the things that I thought would be fun for us to hit on because we're talking about things that are corny, you know, not necessarily problems in hardcore, but things that are annoyances or grievances or anything like that. Um. If you had a hardcore genie lamp 
you rub it, Genie pops out, and he's like, Scott, I can grant you three wishes when it comes to hardcore. What would your wishes, as far as things that you would wish to change, or you could be super selfish as far as like things for, mm. for terror is concerned, mm. what, what would you utilize those? Okay. To devour the horseshoe, instead of me having to beg people to move up, the back of the club has like some sort of like snowplow thing where I can just press a button and they are not, tr- <laughs> they're not like trampled, but they're slowly. It's like the, the spike wall. It's that kind of like comes pushed for up. <laughs> <laughs> that's instilled, that's installed in every venue. Yes. Um, okay. That's a great choice. <laughs> uh, so essentially, there's a there's a way to adjust the size of every venue based off how many people are actually there. It's not even that because you can play a sold out packed show, but the people will still horseshoe it. Yes. Okay. So it's like it's about containing the attendees to the the pit area bring them to the front of the stage i like it i like um it. Mm. Mm. we create a uh we eliminate all van drives you're in calgary you snap your fingers you're in fucking winnipeg so Let's Star get. Trek transportation <laughs> and venue I to venue, sure or city fuck, to city. I do not want to fly. Flying could be worse than an eight-hour van drive. You got to get there <laughs> early, delayed, problems with your baggage. Does your bag show up? You got to right. get it. Flying is hell. Driving in a van like eight hours a day is hell. Elimination. Star Trek. This is super innovative. Not like any of these things are actually going to be implemented. But that's what you living think. in the fantasy world. That that's a great idea to be like, hey, thanks for booking the show, and then you're transported. Yo, to the it was city awesome and to see the full day to hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Quick question on on this fantasy. Do you think that would accelerate the hardcore economy as far as people wouldn't people would just see a flyer? And then they could just snap their fingers and go wherever in the world. They buy the ticket oh, no, and no, they no. can. This do is that. bands only. Oh, this bands. is a bands only yeah. technology. If, okay. If you're just going Fair. to a show, you have to sell. Like, you know, I, you have to fly. You have I to still, drive. I drive to shows all the time Rochester, Syracuse, Cleveland. That's part of it. I think that's probably in the, the little thing you may read at some point. Road trips. Road trips are a huge right. lost art. I'm sure they still happen, but not as much as they should. But for right. a band that has to do like 30 days in a row, click your way around. I, I, I think we, we don't open that up to the masses just yet. We keep that as a touring band exclusive. Okay. Okay, you Mandy, want the third? You have gone over my expectations for this answer, so I'm excited for this third one. Everything so far has been very selfless. You, it's all about 
everyone else, not just Scott or Tara. For every band, every band that posts on Instagram that their show was sold out, they have to put under that something actually that happened at the show that was semi cool. It seems like hardcore has gotten to the point where the only thing that matters at your show is it's sold out. Mm. The show was sold out, but I also heard the singer of the local band say something that was really important or I fucking hated it. Even if you fucking <laughs> hate it, can there be something more to a show than people paid to come see your band? Mm. That requirement is a really good idea because I, I totally agree. I have, I love seeing all my friends fucking go out on the road and are killing it and doing all these things. I do think that there is a, because of the success of a lot of bands, it becomes like this warped reality or expectation when people are starting a brand new band it's like oh we need to get to this level um that's why i was i always say like tsunami is like a unicorn band like they're it is not the standard to like put out a demo have it blow up and then you're like traveling all over the world like they are a siloed scenario it's great for them i'm stoked tons of great friends of mine but that is not the norm the norm is the bands like knock loose that like just bled until all they grind all it for sure and and grind and like doing all those things um does the requirement to do that change over time sure but i think it's like hard work can't be ignored by record labels it can't be ignored by other cool bands that are like oh like we have to bring out this band because they're just hitting the road all the time um and i feel like the stripes of that need to be earned. Um, no matter the, the era you could be listening to this in 2027, but I think the same thing still, still apply. I just think the reason why I say this is this, this is supposed to be about thinking in a community and sharing and expression. It's not about ticket sales. It's not about that. You filled a room with people. So great. Yeah, that's great. The terror is guilty of this too. Wow. We sold out the show. We're fucking huge. We're amazing. Can there be something about the things I just mentioned? Is, what is more important that you sold out a room and, you know, I don't want, I, I was going to say other rude things about stuff I see, but I'll let it go. I just think there should be so, something more than sold out. Right. I maybe think if maybe if your biggest maybe if your biggest concern is that you sold out, maybe you've sold out. Ooh. Interesting. I like that. I do too. I bet <laughs> I've been working on that all week. <laughs> and now we got it, you know, contained in the podcast, and so now we just have to clip it. Um man, I'm moved by that. Scott, true, truly. So I, you, you, uh, you said the gauge for a good podcast is if you get told a great question. Well, if I move 
the podcaster. Great answer. Great. <laughs> Made up for all the, the cat swiping the phone away. <laughs> Balancing he's, up the scales. He's, he's here. He's calm. He's, he's tempted. He's tempted. Um, so something that I have noticed, um, you know, I've, I've seen Terror three times based off when you guys were doing your little Western Canada stint. Um, but I've seen like a plethora of different videos that have been documented over the years. And something that I've noticed for you is that like, you are such a champion of people who want, who are grabbing the mic from you during a song and you're like, you do the song. So was that something that like you were always doing or you or just like, I am just tired of singing. Someone else can do this part. Um, when did that like become just a thing or a mantra of yours? And like, how do you think that that affects people? Um, to the best of my recollection, I, this is, this is, uh, could be wrong, but I think, you know, when you do the terror songs 10 years in a row, you get to the point where you're okay with other people doing it. And we would at time have people that come on tour with us, uh, for a couple years at a time. I think those were the first people that uh, I would say, yo, sing this part of the song every night. You're there. Um, so, you know, I would give them the mic. I, I really think this could snowball that where you, you're in the crowd and you see me giving the mic to this person that you don't know who he is. I know that he's like living in our van and part of our thing. Oh, he just took it. Now I'll took it. Uh you know, people have always had like guests on stage and stuff, but maybe terror would be because every lots of bands do this now where lots of people are singing. Maybe we're the first of me really pass the mic around to everyone. Please take it. It has to do with we've toured for 20 years. Please give me a break. And also like when we had these like people with us, I'll, I'll say roadies that that's what they were or merch guys or whatever see them and some of them went on to start great bands also another thing that i always did i would always look for females up front singing and i would literally pull them on stage and give them the mic a lot of times you know even, even dudes a lot of times if i saw someone that knew the words and maybe whether it's a male or a female they felt like they couldn't sing in a band i would like you know not not violently but pull them on stage, put the mic in their hand. They would, you know, face them towards the crowd and be like, do it. And then they would do it. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's something that I'll still do, but you know, I've done that a million times and it's more so like, I get to do this every night. I see that, you know, the words fucking take it, go for yeah. it. And, uh, I like it's, it's so interesting to me. Cause it's like, it's happening in, in like a matter of seconds and you're like, I don't need context from you whether you've ever screamed in a microphone before, if you've played in bands, like you clearly know the words, you just do it. And whether, cause I, I have seen like people outside of um, the hardcore space, like it was always kind of a weird thing where it's like, oh, like, you know, 
here's this video of this crazy rock band and they bring this dude on stage to like play a song but it's like i'm sure that there's like a bit of a vetting process like oh you know we're playing to twenty thousand people we don't want you to fuck up but there's like it's happening in the split second of like you know the words i have no idea what you sound like because there's a million sound waves and just different things happening but i am going to champion you put place it in your hand and like kind of kind of not even peer pressure but just like i'm gonna just put you in that and see what you do with it because i'm sure like you know sometimes you've probably done that and some people are like kind of shy but some people might just be overtaken by adrenaline and fucking kill it and then that could be the next person in big band that's going and doing things like you never know and i i feel i think it's i've admired that the that you have done that so often that you have Thank you. Uh, it can go, it can be amazing. Usually, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. Sometimes you're, I turn around and my band, I'm like, whoa, this, this fucking person's got it. <laughs> Sometimes it can go very wrong. I misread that they knew the words. Sure. <laughs> they didn't know the words. Their timing is ter- terrible or they, um, uh, they actually do know, but they're so maybe n- nervous. They come in at the wrong time. It can right. go very wrong. But a great thing about Terror is uh, we have two other microphones and Martine and Mr. Linkovich sing a ton. So if it goes astray, they can kind of pull it back in. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because obvi- obviously the ratio is probably more of like, yeah, you know, it, it passes, but I'm sure there's been times you're like, Oh, Oh no. But you know, on on the flip side of the coin, that person that from your super experienced perspective is like, Oh, they kind of fucked this up. They might just be like, that was the greatest night of my life. Scott Vogel, like handed me the microphone, like this crazy thing. So it's like, I think it's just so again, like I'm not, I'm really, I'm really, uh, you know, tune your own horn here, but like, I really think it's cool that you have not, like, you're not concerned about like the show, like you are okay with something either going amazing or super shitty, but you don't think that that is going to jeopardize the entire terror set. No, I would. Uh, I mean, it's a hardcore show. It doesn't have to be per that you know. It can Doesn't be dirty be and ugly yeah. and that we can be off time and someone could fuck up that song and we still fuck up our songs. And, you know, we we're a pretty professional for a hardcore band, but we're ne- we never got to that point where it was. This has to go, you know, we're not that professional. A <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, couple other terror questions. And I always ask this question to anyone, any band that has like a really big discography, like a large amount of body of work behind them. We fucking got that. Yes, you do. <laughs> Excluding Pain Into Power because, you know, I feel like it's still, you know, still like people are chewing on it. So let's exclude that. People are marinating on it. That's a good use of the word. Um, excluding that, what is the most underrated terror song? And what is the most overrated terror song? Ooh. From your opinion. 
it's hard to go with the underrated because there's so many we don't play. So I would say the song Shattered is a song that I think is a 10 out of 10, but we never really gave it its proper due. So I think, uh, I think people that know it because of the lyrical content connect with it. But if you're not like really, really terror diehard, it's, it could just be a album song that you never really heard because we've only played it live a couple times ever. Mm. So I'm going to go with, that's the underrated one. Um, overrated terror song. So this would be one that people want to hear, but I think is not that great. Mm. Or one that you're just like tired of playing or like vocally, it's just doesn't really mean the same uh, to you. Cause I've asked, so, you know, like I mentioned, I've had, I've done a multitude of different comeback hit episodes. I've asked this question to all the different, um, you know, whether it's Stu who plays guitar or Andrew who does vocals, but they gave totally separate answers based off, yeah, this song's a little boring to play in guitar or, you know, this song doesn't mean the same to me lyrically. So, okay. Maybe spit my rage. I think it's, it's ripping the verse chorus, first chorus, and the breakdown is amazing. Total Slayer ripoff, but it goes for too long and it's just like spit my rage in your face spit my red that's a great part anyone that wants to do guest vocals to the end of that come and get it because i want right. to get away from it <laughs> i would say <laughs> yeah okay so sh- uh shattered and spit my rage as far as the underrated overrated good picks good picks um so uh li- like i was mentioning um at the top of the episode as far as the the first time i saw you guys when it was when you did the Western Canada, kind of like Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and, you know, friend of the show, GFK. Um, can I tell you a little bit of context from my lens uh, about what those shows were to me? Sure. So, Scoped Exposure, as far as this thing that I created, like, really just just started. It was just me trying to, like, figure it out and, like, something that I was doing to give back to my scene and filming bands. Like, this podcast didn't even exist yet. Um and I wanted to do like a one year anniversary of some kind of local show, nothing crazy, just like some friends. I had never put on a show in my life, so I was like, had no idea what I was doing. JFK got wind of, you know, me wanting to do some kind of anniversary thing. And then he mentioned, hey, I'm doing this terror show. If you want to just like, you know, put, you know, a little thing at the bottom here. And I was like, just over the moon because I was like, okay. I wanted to do like maybe a five band thing, but now there's like two nights and then Vancouver got added. So I was like, well, if my name's on the poster, I feel like I should be at those shows and filming those shows. So getting to like secretly, like kind of follow you guys unintentionally um, and like film all these different shows. And, and the Calgary set specifically is like, it's definitely in the top five sets on our on our YouTube channel as far as like, we wanted to make sure we, you know, held, you know, pack no punches. We wanted to do the multicam. We didn't do the live audio. And, you know, so that was like very special to me in just seeing like how this thing was growing. And then, you know, we're coming up on year five now uh, when it comes to scope exposure. We have an anniversary fest that is going to be headlined by Strife, Tsunami and Scowl and a multitude of other bands. So like, 
I really attribute that stretch of shows at like whether I just got like stapled on at the very end or not to be super like opening my mind to like how dope hardcore like how dope things can be if you like really put your mind to it when it comes to hardcore so um when it comes to that series of shows is there anything that you remember as far as like just any like cool takeaways because outside of maybe eastern canada like like you guys haven't been back here since since then so how were those shows and like working with jfk obviously friend friend of the show um i just wanted to give a little bit of that context before i asked you that question about how those shows went through your eyes thank you for the nice words i'm glad we could be a part of your journey into the insanity um <laughs> If you don't mind, if I, if I change the mood, I'm going to tell a funny story, if that's cool. Please. Um, Please tell a funny story. I think it was in Edmonton after the show. Uh, <laughs> JFK and there's members of Terror that like to go out after the show. I am not one of these people. I very, very, very rarely do. And I remember it, it could, it was not, it was Vancouver, Calgary and Edmonton. Is that correct? Uh, Edmonton before Calgary, but yes, those right. three. Okay. So it could, I think it was Edmonton, but maybe it was Calgary. Um, so JFK lined up this thing where we were going to this like dance club, almost like a rave or something. And it was downstairs in this club. It was walking distance from our show and everyone was all psyched. And I was, I must've probably had some drinks because that's the only way you'll get me to go out. But I just remember, all right, I'm going out. We're going to hang out. We're going to this thing. I remember we all walked in we all went downstairs. I looked around. I left before a minute was up. I just, I was like, what am I doing here? No fucking way. I'm out of here. And I, I took off and probably went back to the hotel or whatever. But I just remember like uh lesson learned. I do not belong at raves. <laughs> I just imagine you walking in and you're like, yep, yeah, nope, let's just yeah, turn this it, car around. I think I was in there for less than a minute. From the time we got to where we were gonna be, and I could be right. like, this is it. Nope. Goodbye. <laughs> just left. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know there. I didn't give you the hardcore energy, uh, the, the greatness <laughs> of the shows, but that was the first thing that came to my head. No, I, I appreciate you telling that story because there are very few instances where you walk into a space where you're like, this is not where I'm <laughs> supposed to be and it's time to exit this. I've done that with where, yeah whether it's like a restaurant or like you walk into like a shitty motel and you're like, Oh God, what did I do? <laughs> Let's turn this around. <laughs> were there any, um, you know, since we're on the topic of th there is no way that I'm going to entertain this for more than a minute. Were there any shows or stories from the road that you had a very similar experience? Like you, like you just mentioned. 
No, I don't think we've ever pulled up to a place and it was like the guy doing the show had like a swastika tattoo. So we got back in the van and left. I don't think anything like that's ever happened. And we can pretty much go with the flow. We've played like beautiful rooms where I'm like, we shouldn't be here. And we've played like places where the powers, like an extension cord thrown over being, you know, stealing the power from the, the, the store next door. We can kind of go with the flow. Wait, with wait, anything. Wait. Is that, is that a, a true story? Yeah. I can remember we played in Atlanta once and the power from it is like, I don't re- somehow someone went into the, the next store business. I think it was like a strip mall sure. and they plugged in extension cords and threw them over the wall or somehow under the wall. Hilarious. <laughs> Stuff like, you know, I know there's like, you know, some businesses, um, you know, sometimes you'll find a, like a random outlet on the outside of the building. And that's what I imagine is just like, oh, let's just plug this in here and just run, you know, a PA system and guitar amps and all that. Corny factor. When you're on tour with a band and the guitar player is like playing his guitar, like guitar leads for hours backstage or the drummers, like you can warm up, but like all day, like. Oh, come on. What What is that corny level out of 10 for you? I mean, it's not corny. It's annoying. It's actually smart. It's actually like taking your job seriously, but sure. it's annoying. <laughs> what What's like the, what's the max time when it comes to warming up for, for a set for you? And that could be drummers doing the, the thing. I think that's my wife coming home. So I'm going to let her come out. <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes? There, there she goes. Um, 10 minutes for drum warms up, guitar stuff. What, do, what are your thoughts on stretching before a show? Necessary for some. <laughs> Necessary <laughs> <Probably>, for some. <laughs> probably a good idea if you're going to go the fuck off. If you stretch, mm-hmm. though, you better put those fucking limbs to use. Right. Yeah. If I see you stretching, I should see you swinging, you know, <laughs> when, the, when the show starts. Um, let's talk lyrics a little bit, Scott. Do, do lyrics need to rhyme when it comes to hardcore music? No, because look at the first Chain of Strength 7-inch. It's perfect, and I believe it doesn't rhyme. There's I no rhymes the tr- at all. Maybe the Turning Point LP doesn't. No, it rhymes. I just went through some of it. <laughs> Did you just mouth part of a song just to yeah, check? They say it's always darkest before the dawn. I may look bad. It may look bad now, but I'm holding on to what I have and what I've earned. I refuse to let that burn. Definitely rhymes. Maybe they have a song that doesn't rhyme. I think. Yeah, the, the chain of strength for a seven inch, I think, doesn't rhyme. Hmm. Rhyming's good, though, to uh, keep people. Uh, uh, it's easier to learn the words so they can sing along, so I can pull you on stage and give you the mic. Right. There's, there, it's like rhyming one, on one hand, it's just, it sounds good because it's, you know, I think it sounds good, but it's also like it's connecting those sentences that together. Keeps the flow going. Hmm, totally. Interesting. Maybe I'll try to write a, write a song that doesn't rhyme. 
I'm giving, I'm giving you some homework for some future terror stuff now. <laughs> like, do you do you always like everything in terror for you needs to rhyme, or is there stuff where you're like, I I think the hack for me when I'm writing lyrics is I have like a, a website where I'll do like there's like mm-hmm. a plug in the word, mm-hmm. and then that word might help inspire, and then sometimes I'll even go like near rhymes, so it's like roughly i don't know if you have a similar practice i'm on the exact same page it doesn't have to exactly rhyme but if it rolls off the tongue and it feels right and it's close enough go with it right um speaking you know because i really think that lyrics to a song help take it from like the cool demo you know that it sounds to like oh this is like you know, it could take something from here to here. So sure. what lyrics off of the new record, we'll, we'll use that as the main focus. Do you feel like really took the song from like, oh yeah, this is a cool terror-esque song to like, oh, this is like something really special on the album? Uh, the first two that come to mind are um, Outside the Lies, and which is like track four. And then the last song, Prepare for the Worst. They're both musically pretty powerful, but pretty typical. I don't want to say generic. They're, they're, they're typical terror songs. I think when you put the vocal uh, cadence on top of them and uh, combining with what the, the lyrics are actually saying, then they become much more powerful got you got you is, is there is there annoying you know we've talked about this corny uh aspects or, or different things or, or grievances is there annoyance for you as far as maybe hardcore like not being as serious as uh as maybe some of the foundational bands and records as far as like oh i'm just writing like a series of diss tracks essentially or are you kind of like they have their their time and place for both of those things. Um, going back to like what I was saying about the sold out thing, I just hope I I can't judge every band. Um, I just hope that people are trying to write lyrics that are important and impactful and thought provoking or just therapeutic for themselves. Um, Yeah, I just hope that people are just still trying to keep it either an expression of themselves or a way to communicate and think with others or a way to enlighten others. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can have songs about hating the person that fucked you over. That's important too, but I hope that it's about using your head, your heart, helping the community that you're a part of and not just reduce to sick mosh pits (laughs) and uh you know what labels after you and how many people you draw and stuff like that right um speaking of you know bands um you know you're like i can't judge every band but like i feel like you are someone that has your ear and eye to the ground when it comes to a lot of like up and coming stuff 
do you want to shout out five bands that have either caught your eye or ear that you're really excited about that have come out in the last couple of years? Sure. Uh, this is like a band that this is an example of where I say I can't judge every band. That band's <laughs> that band Spy from the, I think they're from the Bay. I don't know yes. the people at all. I don't really know their lyrics, but I've heard their band. I don't know their mindset. I don't know if they're straight edge. I don't know anything about them except I fucking heard the band and the energy was unbelievable. I saw some live clips. They're a band that I think is really fucking powerful, but you know, I don't know their mindset. I'm hoping for the best. If I ever meet them, I hope they're cool as shit and have mm. good head on their shoulders. But from a musical standpoint, they're super powerful. Um, I only know um, Cole who drums in um, in Spy and also Scowl. He's the only member that I know of. Spy is a band that I think has a, uh, a like a healthy amount of like guitar feedback as a guitar player myself. It's just like that's just like it's enough where you're like, ooh, like, you know, once you have that song cranked on full blast, like it's just so like deafening and then their music kicks in. So more bands, I think, need to lean into that like overbearing guitar feedback. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, great, great pick for sure. OK, we just toured with Pain of Truth and. Uh, awesome people. Very fun to tour with, made me laugh the whole time. Uh, awesome energy, um, and they, for like like what you were saying about tsunami, they have a, a split out in a comp song, and we went all over the country with them, and they they've got people that are really into them everywhere we went, and uh, their energy is great, so. Pain of truth is, is the real deal from, I said something on stage. Uh, I not, not, not musically, but I equated them somehow. I compared them and their vibe and their energy and the people to death threat. Who's one of my favorite mm. bands ever musically and his people. So that was like a huge compliment I could pay for to them. So they just gave me that I, vibe, but the way they just, I, I have a friend that has compared them to the next hate breed. What are your thoughts on that? I'm sticking with death threat. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's not my take. It, it, they said it on the podcast. I was like, that's a bold statement. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's a, hard, that's, a that's big shoes to fill. <laughs> big shoes. But, uh, but I would say that pain of truth is an album of way. Like the fact that they are, dominating off of an ep a split and uh one song on a comp all all it takes is one great record to like actually just for true world domination for any for any band honestly okay my next pick is mm -hmm. gonna be a blender so moving back to buffalo there's violent way exhibition and smash and grab those are three younger okay. Buffalo bands. Uh, I would say uh, Violent Way is like a oi skinhead band. Exhibitions kind of like um, thrashy, like kind of take offense-ish, but maybe not that thrashy, but in that ballpark. 
mm-hmm. and uh, Smash and Grab is kind of more New York, Killing Time-ish type hardcore. But the reason I put them all together is it's basically like 12 dudes that are in all the bands. And gotcha. they're all okay. cool, really cool bands, really cool people. And uh, yeah, I want to give all them some shine. Um, so that's three. Yeah, two more. Yeah. I like the just, you know, it's essentially the same members kind of all niche mashed into different bands so they can be under one thing. Is Dare, are they too old for this conversation? Mm, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting question. I feel like Dare might be because I was like, I saw dare before the, the rev acquisition and all that. And I was like, this band is going to be something awesome. So I feel like they might be out of the pickings. Okay. I love Um, dare, but let's move on. Never ending game. Yep. I feel like never ending games a little bit, um, more in line with that. Okay. We're going with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, on the tour we just did, they played two of the shows. They're, they're super powerful. And I think they got a, you know, they don't like go off on stage, but they just have a really cool presence and recorded. They're, they're like a hard hitting, very hard hitting. Can um, I, can I tell you a funny never ending game ism? Sure. So I don't know what that my, means, but yes. <laughs> okay. So, Never Ending Game is headlining uh, a fest in Toronto at, at the top of September called Hold Your Ground Fest, uh, being put on by Jessa. Shout out to Jessa. Um, I my band be live to play that, but we're terrors out of town. So right. go ahead. So Never Ending Game is closing out the second day. My band is called End Game, and we're opening the first day. So End Game polar opposites. It's literally the bookends. Okay. And I think I DM them and they're like, does the game really ever end? I'm like, you're <laughs> totally right. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got to come up with a fifth here. Mm-hmm. Make it count. I'm going state by state. <laughs> I got it. Hit me. From the Bay, no right. Is it no right or no rights? No right. Friend, big friends of the show and of Scoped Exposure. They played our two-year anniversary fest with Dare, ironically. I think they're great. Uh, Very good live. Just an awesome band. I think they need more love, so I'm giving them as much love as possible. I think they're severely underrated. Um, I'm a big fan of Toshio, their guitar player, who's recorded all of the dope Bay bands that are popping up right now. Big fan of Sierra um, and what she does. Yeah, I feel like they are the sleeping giant, if anything, of um, uh, of the Bay. Sleeping Giant as a term, not Sleeping Giant the band. Okay, I got it. <laughs> um, okay, Scott. So as we kind of end towards the close, uh, obviously a new record just came out. Um, what is the one 
thing that you hope that you know fans of terror for all all albums or maybe this is the first one they're hearing what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this record uh i just that we're still putting out music that is a hitting you in the face like a sledgehammer right b that if you take the time to read the lyrics that they're still important and i think the artwork is super cool i i mean I think the the record is exactly what we set out to do. I have like zero complaints. So uh, I hope people put it on and get smashed in the face by the music and can relate to the lyrics. And if they don't, then maybe terror isn't for them, which is fine. But I don't think we could have done anything differently to achieve the the set out goal. Mm -hmm. Wonderfully said. Two more questions. The second is this um, this hardcore is fill in the blank quote that you said that you said it in a zine, um, which I feel. I, do you remember which zine it was? Because I feel bad. No, that this I have thing, no I'm sure idea. has circulated so many times, and this person's like not I getting can, tagged or anything. I can only uh, put together that it's very old because. I say something about your phone bill, which is <laughs> so bef- before cell phones. Uh, I also mentioned something about animals aren't ours to eat. I eat meat now, so we'll get that out of the way. So it's, it was back. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I think a beautiful thing about hardcore is that it's steered many people to be vegetarian because I think that's wonderful. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. But I have no idea where it came from. Uh, but it just popped up on Instagram one time and I thought it was well said. So I've seen it circulate on my feeds multiple times. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the quote and then I'm going to ask you the follow up question based off of this quote. Okay. And I hopefully I'm not going to do it in the Scott voice or, you know, do anything like that. So I hope I don't slip up on any words. So here we go. Hardcore is meeting a kid from halfway across the world for the first time and feeling like you have known him or her for all of your life. Hardcore is driving eight hours when you are flat broke to see a band most people would say that they can't play their instruments and that you can't understand their singer. Hardcore is knowing that your phone bill will kill you. That's the uh, out of dateness because most people got like the can't, you know, the <laughs> unlimited whatever, but you know, maybe, maybe not at the time of this. Um, Hardcore is road trips, touring, and meeting people. Hardcore is a teacher, teaching, we are all equal, that colors or sexual preferences don't matter. Hardcore teaches that animals are not ours to kill and to open our mind and question everything. Hardcore is moshing in your bedroom. Hardcore is energy, emotion, and anger. Hardcore is that feeling when I see or hear new bands that send chills down my spine. Scott Vogel, Terror. So the question is what is hardcore in 2020 in this in this style of hardcore is blank so when you think of the current state of hardcore how would you essentially continue on that quote in that style well that was asked what hardcore is to me so 
you know, like you could change a couple of the things around. And since now we can snap, but there's no more road trips. But I mean, it's, it's all the same to me. Uh, it's all the same. I, I you know, I, I would hope, let's say that was, let's say that was 20 years ago. I don't know. Sure. But that's a, that's a good guess. Um, you know, I've hopefully grown as a person. I've hopefully changed some things for the better. I've hung on to some bad habits. I'm not perfect. Um, you know, but essentially the way I think about hardcore is similar. Uh, my band is similar and my, my mindset and love and care and concern is similar. So I'm with all of that. Even the, even the part that I said that I eat meat now, um, that's just out of total selfishness. You know, I still think probably shouldn't fucking eat animals. So I still agree with it. I just Mm. can't live up to it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, you know, maybe that was the secret answer that I wasn't expecting is that all of those words, maybe aside from the, the phone bill situation are just as applicable in 2020 as it was maybe 20 years ago when you said it. But I think, uh, I think that's that, that, collection of of words and i'm sure you know maybe i'll put uh because i can do this in the episode is like what it like hardcore is and fill in the blank of this episode it's like a little additive so if you're listening and you want to add your hardcore is blank check on the episode and maybe you can do that um scott one more question before we start to wrap up officially i ask every guest who comes on the show this question and you know you are are um in in line for to properly retire from mosh retirement, so I feel like there's a ton to pull from here. Tell me a mosh related story, anything that's first to your mind. It could have happened to you. It could have been something that you did at a show you were at, a terror show, anything else. Whatever's first to your mind when it comes to a mosh related story is how to start to wrap up this. Wonderful bro- interview. I've broke my hand twice, once moshing to 18 visions, once moshing to no turning back. Uh, I broke my ribs stage diving to first blood. Uh, one time I was seeing the band up front. They're like a really old Connecticut band. Um, was it up front or was it a shelter? Uh, one time the, I was up front. And uh, the singer smashed me in the face and I bit through this part of my face. What do you call this? Not my chin, but my whatever this is. In between the chin and the bottom lip. lip. Uh, I'm just coming up with Masha. One time in Canada, one time we were on tour with Madball. and We played a show like north of Toronto. And uh, this is back. Like this is like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. We played a show north of Toronto and like mi- out in the middle of nowhere in Canada. And there was like 30 people at the show. All of terror was moshing. That was really cool. One time we played in Texas with bitter end. All of terror was moshing. That was cool. Um, When's the last time that all of terror was moshing together? I know like Martin's like the, the gatekeeper when it comes to you, but it, when's the last time? Probably, probably, probably that bitter end show. I mean, everyone at the same time. Sure. <laughs> that does, that doesn't happen too often anymore. Mm. Um, shit. Uh, 
I remember the first time I saw Marauder in Albany. I was, I was older, but so this is probably like 95. So I was probably like 25, but I was literally scared of those people. So I just mm-hmm. moshed for like a minute to say that I did it. And then I was like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, no more. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot. Oh, uh, I'll tell you my, the final mosh story. So Please. zero tolerance is the band from Buffalo that got me into hardcore. I looked up to them like they were gods. I still do. They still are. Uh, I think every city has this, a band that they grew up on. That's like not so known all over the world, but to you, they're like the greatest thing ever. So, uh, Zero Tolerance is opening up for Bad Brains at a, a venue in Buffalo that didn't really do hardcore shows. The opening band was playing. I, of course, was moshing. I got kicked out of the show for moshing. This place wasn't going to allow moshing. So I'm outside all fucking pissed off. Um, the guitar player for Zero Tolerance comes out. And I... I these people knew who I was because I was a super fan and would always go off to their band, but I didn't know them. They're like probably five years older than me. And at that time, you know, I'm like 15, they're like 20. They don't want to fucking hang out with me. So the guitar player comes up to me and he's like, yo, I saw what happened. Come with me. They sneak me into the back door. So now I'm backstage with zero tolerance. They're getting ready to play. Their singer comes up to me. I've never spoken to this guy in my life. And he's like literally a God to me. He's like, Hey, I saw what happened. Switch shirts with me. So they, when you go back out there, they don't know who you are. So now I have his shirt on. I'm in the crowd. He's on stage with my shirt on. And at this time they're like, they're huge in Buffalo. There's probably a thousand people there. The, the, the first band was some like weird band that like, like I said, I just moshed at the time. So I was just going off to them, but no one was really, but I think it was a three band bill. So now zero talent second, they hit their first note. Everyone goes crazy. There's no way security can contain this, but uh, that's one of my favorite moshing stories. Like I'm in the crowd with the, this dude's shirt on and he's on stage <laughs> With my shirt with on. your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're like, I'm never washing this shirt. I'm just going to like en- encase it in chrome or something. Oh, that is so funny. Um, Scott, what a wonderful chat uh, with someone that I am a huge, huge fan of, uh, both for terror reasons, but also just your impact on hardcore. Uh, it's undeniable. Uh, anything you want to shout out, plug, uh, anything you want to send the people off with before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I just would say if you haven't checked out Terra in a while, check out the new record. I think it's really good and I don't want to plug anything. I I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you caring about hardcore. You had some pretty fun questions and, uh, I hope, I hope they were good questions. I look, no, just fun. Oh, just fun. (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) Hopefully we'll be up there soon. We haven't been to Seattle. We haven't been to Portland and Seattle in a while. Maybe we can figure something out where we hit those two and end up in maybe even Winnipeg. Dude, 
I do a nice I have loop. the people to help make that work. So that the minute good. that that becomes an interest and a possibility off of your crazy if schedule, we, just if let we me come know. there and it's not JFK, he might be really upset. Well, JFK is definitely doing the Alberta shows for sure. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, Scott, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I hope we can do this again sometime. Thanks for having me. Have a great night.